Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to VBS Weekend at Chapel Hill. Isn't this a fun weekend to be here? Yeah. My name is Julie Hawkins, and I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill, and I love VBS Week. I love VBS Week because all week long, we've had kids running all over our campus. We've had volunteers shepherding them as they go. Thank you again to anyone who volunteered to help kids this week. We are so grateful for you. And every year, every year when I watch our kids worshiping God, it kind of makes me cry a little. It's so amazing to see kids singing their hearts out with praise for God. And I love VBS Sunday because I love watching all of you awkwardly do the motions. I saw some of you doing a little move to the left and a little move to the right, a little bit of airplane there. And I know that it can feel awkward and a little bit silly, but these motions, they help the lyrics of the VBS songs. Uh, they help our kids learn those lyrics. And I can tell you kids that these songs will be ingrained in your membrane for the rest of your lives. And I can tell you that because there are so many things that I wish that I could remember from high school or college or last week, and my brain just cannot contain it. But for some reason, I know all of the words and the motions to a song called I Walk by Faith that I learned here at VBS when I was a kid. So parents, you're welcome for that. And kids, you will have generations and generations of these songs. But there are worse things than having Jesus praises on our lips every day. Am I right? And as Paul told us, each day the kids would look at a Bible story and they would learn a Bible point from that Bible story. And after every point, they would see a problem in the world. And the response was always to shine Jesus's light. They kind of shortened it. I know that it's not exactly proper grammar to say shine Jesus light, but the kids would yell it back when they would hear their Bible point. And today we're going to do the same thing. We're going to follow that same format. We're going to look at a Bible story, and then we're going to look at a Bible point, and we're going to learn how we get to shine Jesus' light to the world around us. I was thinking about it, and I realized this is what we do every week in our preaching ministry at Chapel Hill. Every week we study a Bible story, and we learn about God in that story, and then we learn how we get to go out into the world and shine Jesus' light to the world around us. And so I'm going to tell you right out the gate what our Bible point is this morning. Our Bible point is that when people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. There you go. Let's say it one more time. When people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. You're getting it already. All right, our Bible story this morning, it's from Luke's gospel. We're continuing on in our journey through Luke, and we are in Luke 13, verse 10. I'm reading from the NLT translation today, and that's linked in your guide, or you can follow along on the screens behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. 
There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? But this dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released, even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things that he did. Each week, we recognize that we hear God's word proclaimed to us through the reading of scripture, and we are grateful for it. And that is why we say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text this morning, it's an illustration of the division that Pastor Mark preached about a few weeks ago. Do you remember when Jesus told his disciples, do you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to divide people against each other. This text is an illustration of that conflict and that division. It's swirling with conflict. And the conflict is swirling around the miraculous healing of a woman. Now, I think that sometimes it's easy to get distracted by conflict, but I want us to remember that the central focus of this story is a miraculous healing. And it is in that healing and in the conflict that we find our Bible point. That when people need freedom... Shine Jesus' light. Jesus, he was teaching this day on the Sabbath in a synagogue. Now, that doesn't seem like it would be something out of the ordinary, but I learned something this week when I was studying this text about the synagogue that I want to share with you. So the primary place of worship for a first century Jew would have been the temple in Jerusalem. The temple is where the presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. The temple is where priests would perform sacrifices and they would lead people in worship. If a first century Jew could not get to the temple in Jerusalem on a Sabbath day, which was probably pretty common, you would find them in the local synagogue. And the local synagogue did not have a priest. In fact, the local synagogue didn't really have a staff at all. Instead, the local synagogue had a leader or a ruler, sometimes called a president. And this person was like a chair of an elder board mixed with the head greeter, mixed with the hospitality coordinator. So it would be like Tom Lurch, our chair of session, and Daniel Roloff, our head greeter, and Sue Lott, our hospitality coordinator, all rolled in to one person. And this leader of the synagogue, they didn't teach. Instead, on the Sabbath day, they would invite a faithful and obedient man to come and read a pre-selected text and comment on it and teach on it. I did not know that until this week. Imagine if every single Sunday you walked into church and you had in the back of your mind, I might be asked to preach today on a text that I don't know about. I wonder what that would do to our attendance. <laughs> and I find that so fascinating because that means that in Luke 4, when Jesus is invited to teach in his hometown synagogue in the town of Nazareth, when he unrolled the scroll, he didn't know what was on the scroll. It was a pre-selected text. Of course, there is divine providence in this, right? We know that. But when Jesus unrolled the scroll and he read this text from Isaiah, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives 
will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord has come. I always thought that it was kind of like his walk-up music, you know, that Jesus knew that he was going to read this text, that he was going to come up, and that was going to be the launch to his ministry. But instead, he walked up, read this text, and everybody's looking at him. He sits down to teach, and he says, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. To paraphrase, Jesus said, this scripture is about me. I am the one that God sent to proclaim freedom for the captive and sight for the blind and release for the oppressed. Freedom for the prisoner. Now we don't know what passage Jesus was teaching on today, but as he was teaching, he looked out over the congregation and he saw a woman who was in need of freedom. He saw a woman who was being oppressed and he stopped what he was doing and called her forward so that he could free her. What was our Bible point again? When people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. As he was teaching, he saw this woman who was bent over double. She was bent in half, and she had been bent in half for 18 years, unable to stand up. It says that she was crippled by an evil spirit. There's something about this woman's disability that goes beyond the physical. There's a spiritual component to it. Now, I want to remind you that Luke, the author of this gospel, his primary vocation, his job was, he was a doctor. Luke was a physician. So Luke makes a medical diagnosis and talks about how she was bent over and in pain. But he also comments that there was a spiritual component to it. This is a spiritual diagnosis as well. Whatever caused this spine bending was coming from something spiritual, something evil. Now, I want to pause right there and say, because this is something that I feel very, very strongly about, not every disability, and in fact, I would say not most, not even some, very few disabilities, not every disability is caused by an evil spirit. Like I said, not most, not some, very few. And I feel very, very passionately about this because when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter and we were told that she would face a lifetime of disability, I had people tell me that if I were to repent of some unconfessed sin, then maybe my daughter would be healed. I had someone tell me that they wanted to come and pray over me, pray deliverance from this demonic diagnosis. I had somebody ask me, ask me if they, if I, they thought I caught a spirit when I lived in Afghanistan. And that's why we were plagued by this. Like you can pick up a demon while you are in another country. And I have a few things that I want to say about that. First, I rebuke all of that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Because there is not a thing that I would change about my daughter, even though I continue to pray for her health and healing. I know that any parent of a child with a disability will agree with me on this, but I have learned so much about the freedom that I have in Jesus through walking this road with my daughter. I have learned so much about Jesus' love for me, for my family, for my children because of this journey. And so there is not a thing that I would change about it. Parents of kids with disabilities know that having a kid with a disability is like having your flight to Paris diverted to Holland, and you find out that you really love tulips and windmills. It is a beautiful, beautiful journey. 
And the last thing I would say on this is if you are here this morning and you have a disability or you have a child with a disability or someone in your life with a disability, you are welcome at Chapel Hill. I would go beyond that and say you belong here. You belong here. This is a place where you will find community. This is a place where you will find the freedom that comes through knowing Jesus. This is a place where you will have the opportunity to serve and shine Jesus' light to the world around you. You are welcome here. And we will do everything we can to accommodate your family and your family's needs. So please let us know because we want you to belong. We want to walk with you. But in our text today, in our text today, this woman, there is a spiritual component to her disability. And that's one of the very few things we know about her. We don't know her name. We don't know if she believed in Jesus. We don't know if she even knew who Jesus was. We don't know anything about her. But we do know that for 18 years, 18 years, she had been bent over double in pain. I wonder if any of you have back pain. Have any of you experienced back pain? It's terrible. It's miserable. In the Hawkins family, we have experienced so much back pain that our physical therapist now attends Christmas and Easter at our home. That's how close we are with him. But I cannot imagine 18 years, 18 years of being bent over double. 18 years, this woman, her eyes had been cast at the ground. Can you imagine that any time she wanted to look at a person, she'd have to uncomfortably crane her head to the side to make eye contact. For 18 years, people had stared at her as she shuffled through life, or they had looked away because they were embarrassed for her. They didn't know what to do. 18 years is a long time. 18 years, Taylor Swift hadn't even put out an album yet. <laughs> 18 years is double the age of most of our VBS kids. I'm sure that this woman, she had tried every balm, every elixir, every first century chiropractic solution that she could get her hands on. Because for 18 years, she had been ostracized, alone, invisible to the world around her. For 18 years, she had been bound up. She had been literally held down, oppressed. But Jesus, Jesus saw her. The original language, it underlines and bolds this point in the story. It's better read, behold, he saw a woman. Behold, Jesus saw the unseen woman bent over and bound by her disability. And he came to proclaim freedom for the oppressed. He came to bring good news for this poor woman. And the person, this woman who was normally overlooked, ignored. The person who was normally in the back of the crowd or off to the side, she is called front and center, right up to the middle, so that Jesus can touch her. And it says that she was instantly healed. And it was a physical healing, which is a miracle in itself, but it was so much more than a physical healing. It was also a spiritual healing. The emphasis that Luke puts on the spiritual piece of this underscores the reality that this wasn't just physical, it was spiritual as well. So it's no wonder that her first response is to praise God. The text says how she praised 
God. She went from bent over to standing up straight with her hands in the air, praising God because she had found freedom. She's illustrating our Bible point right here. When people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. She's shining Jesus' light to the world around her by praising God. And there's another person in our text today that is in need of healing as well. Unfortunately, this person does not know that he is imprisoned. This person doesn't realize that he is bound up, and he's not open to being released either. In fact, he's more interested in binding others up with him, and that's the leader of the synagogue. I find this leader of the synagogue so curious because he knew he was taking a risk inviting Jesus to preach that morning. Jesus was known for being a bit of an envelope pusher, and there was a lot that he could have been upset about. He called a woman to the front of the synagogue. Women would have been separate, off to the side. And then he touched a woman, which is terrible in itself within that culture. But he didn't just touch a woman. He touched a woman with a deformity. He touched a woman with a known spiritual condition. Absolutely not. That would have been unheard of. But the thing that makes him mad, the thing that makes him indignant, indignant means like, foot stomping like you're going to kick a water cooler and break your foot, mad. The thing that made him mad was when Jesus performed this miracle, that Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath day. And he runs to the front of the congregation. Dresses, he dresses not Jesus, but he turns to the crowd that he is called to serve. And he says, there are six days of the week that you are allowed to work. Come back on another day to be healed. Don't come on the Sabbath. His issue wasn't that the woman had been healed or that Jesus could heal. His issue was when the healing took place. On the Sabbath, how dare Jesus heal a woman on the Sabbath? Because in his opinion, the Sabbath, a healing on the Sabbath counted as work. And working on the Sabbath was against the fourth commandment. Remember the fourth commandment? It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, an understanding of that commandment, Sabbath practice, in our modern age is an important topic, and it is a sermon for another time. But I will simply say this. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, is still a commandment. It's right up there with thou shalt not murder. By practicing Sabbath rest, we recognize that we have limits. We recognize that God is the one who provides we get to enjoy God, and we get to enjoy his creation, which is so easy to do on a beautiful day like today, isn't it? And we get to rest. But Sabbath practice and Sabbath observance will not save you. And that is the point in our story today. Sabbath practice will not save you. Do you know why? Because you can never, ever do it perfectly. And that is the issue that Jesus is bringing to the front and center here. Because for the original reader of this text, the way into heaven was adherence to the law. Following the Ten Commandments, loving God, loving others. But you had to do it perfectly all the time. And if you broke one small part of the law, you were guilty of breaking the entirety of the law. It was impossible to do and Jesus points this out to them. He says, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox, your donkey, from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out to water? He points out 
that they all break the Sabbath every single week because it was impossible to keep every single Sabbath rule. And so they made exceptions to those rules to work around it. They did it all the time. They were all already guilty. It was a very popular thing to debate these laws and violations and exceptions to these laws. It was a large part of the career of the scribes and the lawyers that we've heard so much about in Luke. They would sit around and discuss the letter of the law and any loopholes. And there was this balance of rule and exception to the rule, and that was no more evident than in Sabbath practice. That's where we see it the most, because there were just so many rules. I'm going to invite some friends, Pluto, Paul, and Cadet Kara to come up and join me. The scribes and the lawyers, they had come up with 39 prohibitions, 39 categories of things that were not allowed on the Sabbath, and there were 24 chapters explaining each of those 39 things, violations, exceptions, ways around them. And those rules and those exceptions, instead of bringing rest and freedom, which is the purpose of the Sabbath, instead they bound people up and they were impossible to keep. The purpose of the Sabbath was supposed to be rest, but it was downright exhausting. So we have Kara and Paul up here. Now Paul is our everyday guy. He's just trying to keep the Sabbath law, observe it. Kara is our little rule enforcer. And I'm going to read off to you a couple of Sabbath laws that, that Paul would have to keep. Well, first, Paul wants to go for a walk on the Sabbath. That sounds like a restful activity, right? He wants to walk. Well, walking on the Sabbath, travel is prohibited. So how far of a walk constitutes travel? 3,000 feet, approximately. There's a loophole, though. Traveling is from your home. So anywhere you have one of your possessions is your home. So the day before Sabbath, you can take some food and put it 3,000 feet away. And then you can walk 3,000 feet, your home, as you have your little meal, and then you can walk another 3,000 feet. So there you go, so on, so on, so on. Paul spits on the ground. <laughs> That's kind of disgusting, Paul. But he does it on the dirt. And spitting on the dirt, something could grow there. And plowing, tilling, farming of any kind is prohibited on the Sabbath. So what does Paul do when he needs to spit? Well, Kara says you can spit on a rock because nothing, nothing is going to grow there. Paul looks in the mirror and he finds a gray hair. Oh no, Paul. <laughs> and he's tempted to pluck it. But grooming is prohibited on the Sabbath. And so now mirrors are prohibited on the Sabbath. He's all tied up and he falls and he breaks his arm. But breaking your arm I don't think it's life-threatening. Is it life-threatening to break your arm? Not usually. And you can only go to the doctor if it's something life-threatening. So you're just going to have to wait till tomorrow. I'm so sorry, Paul. There's a prohibition on erasing. Paul wants to eat a bag of chips. Eating on the Sabbath is allowed. But when Paul opens his bag of chips, he accidentally rips the lettering, which is considered erasing. So that's the Sabbath violation, yes. And now this is my personal favorite. Paul needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and Kara reminds him that there is a law prohibiting tearing or ripping paper. And she hopes that he has thought ahead and planned out his individual squares of toilet paper ready to go. 
Paul needs to spare a square, he better have thought ahead. <laughs> this is a real modern day Sabbath practice, the toilet paper one. As you can see, Paul is pretty tied up already. He's pretty bound. And we've only covered eight, eight of the 39 categories. We've actually covered nine because they were spinning, and spinning is prohibited, and 10 because tying, tying is also prohibited. And now we're going to allow you to do 11 because untying is prohibited. So you can go ahead and get untied. And let's give them a round of applause. Say thank you to Paul and Kara. Can you see how bound up he was? It's going to take him a little while to get out of those ties. This is what Sabbath law, the exceptions and violations were doing as they were practiced in the first century. And Jesus challenges the synagogue leader in his interpretation of the law. He shows the false piety in his hypocrisy in the way that he interpreted it. He shows that this man, this man is just as bound up and oppressed as the woman had been. And what was our Bible point? When people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. And Jesus is our way to freedom. Jesus shows us that there is a better way, a better way than the way that we've been trying. In fact, he is the better way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Brothers and sisters, I feel like this text, this text is such a picture of why we need the gospel. In two ways. It shows that we need salvation from evil and that we need salvation from sin. We have the woman, she's bound up in her spiritual disability. She's physically crushed by evil. And Jesus released her from her burden because he proclaimed, came to proclaim freedom for the captive and set the oppressed free. And he declares victory over the oppressor. Salvation from evil. We need that salvation too, don't we? And we have the man who's bound up by his own legalism and hypocrisy. And he's trying to tie everybody up in knots with him. And Jesus calls him out on his self-righteousness and his sin. And he uses the issue of healing healing on the Sabbath. He uses the issue of compassion and mercy to a daughter of Abraham on the Sabbath day to show the hypocrisy of this man. We know that the Sabbath violation, this issue is something that Jesus cares about passionately because at the very beginning of chapter 14, we have a story very similar to this where Jesus heals a man and he challenges the Pharisees. He doesn't wait for them to ask the question. Instead, he says, is it lawful for me to heal this man on the Sabbath? And then he points out their own hypocrisy. Jesus cares about this issue because he wants to bring us freedom. We need freedom. We need freedom from the brokenness in the world, and we need freedom from the brokenness in our own souls. And that freedom, that salvation, it is found, fulfilled, and finished in the work and person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he stepped in and he fulfilled the law. Our text says that that his enemies left shamed from this situation, those same shamed enemies would later bind Jesus and lead him to the cross. Jesus was bound for our sin. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are rescued from the bondage that we're into our sin. He was bound so that we might have freedom. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, all of creation is moving towards restoration. 
we look ahead to the day where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more disability, no more evil, when all things will be made new in Jesus Christ. Because when people need freedom, shine Jesus' light. We are able to shine the light of Jesus on the world around us because Jesus shines his light on us. Now maybe this morning you came in and you feel a little bit like the woman. You feel bound up by something. You feel in need of healing. Or maybe you feel unseen, invisible. You feel outcast. I would want you to hear me say, behold, Jesus is the one who sees you. Jesus moves towards you with compassion and mercy and love and healing. Or maybe you are more like the leader of the synagogue. If you're more like the leader of the synagogue, you're probably not aware that you're more like the leader of the synagogue. But maybe you're trying to find your own way. You're trying to earn your way into heaven. And Jesus sees you too. We don't see that this leader is released, but Jesus offers you the same freedom. His words to the leader were harsh, but he moved towards him in compassion and mercy and love and healing too. And every single one of us, every person in this room, we have the opportunity to take the freedom that we have in Jesus. And we get to go out into the world and shine that light of Jesus to those around us. So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to be light bearers out in a dark and broken world. I want you to consider the person in your life who is unseen. Maybe you don't even see them now. I want you to consider the person that you would walk past, and I want you to behold, Jesus sees that person. Jesus offers them freedom. I want you to go out into the world and proclaim a different way, a better way, the way that is following Jesus. So we're going to take a moment to pray that we'd be able to do just that. Would you pray with me now? Father God, we are so grateful for the freedom that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul where he says, this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Father, we pray that you would fill us with that Spirit today. Would you fill us with the Spirit that brings freedom? Will you, would you fill us with the Spirit that is freedom? Would we be a people that go out into the world to shine the light of Jesus? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Can we be that light, Lord? I pray for anyone this moment who is feeling bound up. I know that there are people in this congregation today who need your healing touch. Would you loosen the chains of what bind them? Would you free them today? And I know that there are people here that think that it's all about what they do. Jesus, would you free them too? Would you show them that it is the work that you have done on our behalf? that brings us freedom. May we be free so that we might be part of the freedom of the world around us. May we shine your light everywhere we go. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. more.
Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. Don't let your heart be